3: I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Carl, thanks so much. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, front and center this hour. The boom trade, where rates, stocks, and your money are likely to go as the economy roars back in the months ahead. Our investment committee debating the road ahead today today. With me for the hour, Stephanie Link, Joe Terranova, Pete Nigerian and Jason Snipe, the principal of Odyssey Capital Advisors. I'll take you to the wall, show you where we stand at noon in the east. Dow's positive by 88, S&P, NASDAQ negative. Yep, tech's down again all the way on the right. Bonds, well, they're down. That means rates are up. So rates go up, tech goes down. Guys, what I think I'm trying to get at here is what is the best way to be positioned if you agree that we're going to have a boom? In the second half of the year, Pete, I'm going to you because your moves today are many, um, to say the least, even for you, even for you <laughs> buying calls. And it's all yeah. o- it's oh. all over the premise of what I'm talking about here. You're, you're buying calls in Carnival and Ford and GM and Bristol Myers in Boeing, which Carl was just talking about stocks up a lot and not that long a period of time either. Delta Airlines, among others. Talk to me.
0: Yeah, well, you know, Scott, uh, it's just the direction that we seem to see a lot of the activity that we follow has definitely moved in that direction. And, you know, we talk about this all the time. I think what we're really seeing here, more so than just the tech sell-off, and obviously there is a tech sell-off, but what we are seeing as the rates are going up and we're seeing all these other areas of the market that are going up with that, uh, the the stuff that's going down, when you really kind of look a lot deeper underneath the hood, you're going to see a lot of those names that have either incredibly high valuation, Scott, or no valuation, and and they're just off into the stratosphere, and we've been trading upon that premise for a really long period of time. But you take a look at the docu signs of the world and the Zooms and everything, from where they were at their highs to where they are now, and you can see a pretty dramatic pullback coming across in many of those areas. And I think that if if we are going to reopen, which I'm one of those guys who's definitely on board, especially after what we've seen overnight and in the last couple of days with some of the states and so forth, the reopen trade, I think, is something that really is going to... uh, up be in charge. And, and whether that means it's carnival or travel with the airlines, whatever it might be, there's a lot of different areas, I think, of the marketplace right now that still have plenty of room to the upside because of that. I just do get a little bit concerned when I watch these rates go up. It seems like every single day we've made a pretty powerful move from 1% to the levels we are now. But look at those financials, the way they've reacted. They've absolutely reacted the way you expected. But at some <clears> point, <throat> is this too fast of a move in the rates? I don't know if I have the answer for that, but I can tell you I'm going to be very, very
3: very nimble and disciplined. All right. So, on that note, you know, Joe, let's play ball, okay? Under the scenario as as follows, right? We're going to have a boom, okay? We think we're going to have an economic boom. Rates continue to rise, economic optimism continues to go up. I want to know what works in that environment is it tech goes down because rates go up and then cyclical stocks do well, or does everything do well because you agree with the premise? that you've got a roaring 20s-type atmosphere, you've got people ready to get out and do everything, and that's going to be the boom that we're talking about. that makes sense?
2: Makes sense. The economic optimism is there, and what clearly is working is everything uh, that my strategies and my tactical moves don't align with. But I will tell you this, the only thing that I dislike more than losing money is losing money. So I have to respect and acknowledge exactly what's going on in the market. I told you on this show last week, the script for 2021 was put in place in 2016. And that's the script, Scott, in which the very injured and damaged industries from 2020 are going to lead the recovery higher. Now, what's going to happen in addition to that is that, Scott, you are on the precipice of the single most powerful shift for momentum funds in the next 30 to 60 days. Because what they're going to do is they're going to reflect back over the prior six months and over the prior 12 months. And when they look back at that, you know what they're going to see? They're going to see an ever-growing outperformance from financials and energy. And they're going to look at the underperformance from healthcare, which is staggering. Just look year to date. You've got Merck and Pfizer, both down 10 percent. Biotechs are underperforming. A name I own, which is CGen, is struggling mightily and technology itself is going to be pared back. So that is what it is. I don't necessarily strategically agree with it, but it's built upon economic optimism, a much higher stimulus package than we thought was going to happen. And those very damaged and injured industries, they're roaring back.
3: I don't know. I mean, you're buying Bank of America and Wells Fargo. They've already roared back.
2: Absolutely. How high is high? How low is low? Do you or I know the answer to that? No, we don't. So no, Stephanie you wrote and you wrote, Pete, the, book on, you wrote do- the book on buying high and selling higher. So you must be the expert. No, I respect <laughs> it. I'm not an expert on very much, but I respect it. I'll tell you that I respect uh, movements. Look, I'm not going to sit here, Scott, and present to you some, you know, thoughtful, fundamental analysis on why you want to buy Wells Fargo and Bank of America. Guess guess what? Stephanie told you $14 ago, fundamentally, why you wanted to buy Wells Fargo. And Pete told you $15 ago why you wanted to buy Bank of America. What I know is I don't want to lose money. And when I look at the street right now, and I look at the expectations in terms of EPS, and I look at price targets for both of those financials, guess what? Over the next 90 days, they are going to have to have positive EPS revision. The price target for both those stocks are below where the market prices for each one of them. And there has been a fundamental improvement just by the economic optimism that is so transparent right now. I mean, I, I'm seeing moves from almost everybody that
3: agrees with the premise of the boom trade of how we set up the show to begin with today. Jason Snipe, you trim Netflix, you buy BlackRock. Is that expressing that view?
1: So absolutely, I agree with most of the points that were that were mentioned earlier. If I'm thinking about uh, GDP growth, GDP growth was four percent last quarter. Uh, we expected annualized to be seven, up at least seven percent uh, this year, which is the highest number since 1984. When I look at the the moves that we've made recently, and I look at Netflix, listen, I love Netflix, love the company, love the content, um, and they had a nice sub beat uh, in earnings uh, this season. But what I do think as 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 the Distribution of the vaccine accelerates and widely available by May. I think those subs will be harder to to grow and I think the stock has had sensitivity to uh, net additions on subs, which makes sense, and I just think they'll be harder to come by going forward. Um, when I look at autozone, you know I do think travel you know uh, the road trips the do it yourself uh, names you know I think will continue to do decent but um, I think people will be flying more than they'll be taking road trips come the summer. So, um, and that uh, has a lot to do with the distribution of the vaccine and how it's widely available. And then as it relates to BlackRock, you know, um, Joe mentioned the financials. I think financials just has been running since November. Um, BlackRock, the largest ETF provider in the marketplace, like the the acquisition of Perio um, in, in November of last year, well, continue to expand their reach in the retail SMA market. Um, I just think it's, it's just a great buy here, and we
3: decided to hop in. So, Steph, isn't, isn't the, can you make the argument that the base case is a boom and rates up higher <laughs> than they are now, and that you need to be positioned accordingly? You sold Facebook, okay? So you've been trimming Facebook. Now you sold all out of Facebook, and you've gone more cyclical for tech into IBM. You've bought more IBM. So out of Facebook, more IBM.
4: <laughs> yeah, I mean, Facebook did what, it, what I wanted it to do, right? It was up 78% from the March lows. Great company, great franchise. But I, I made money and I took some gains there. I think IBM is the absolute opposite. Uh, the stock is, is, is down uh, tremendously uh, last year, and they're going through a transition with a new management team who's actually now focused on the right things, which was growth, AI, data analytics, uh, blockchain, all of that kind of stuff. You know, you get a 5% dividend yield and it's trading about 10 times earnings. So I like that risk reward very much. Uh, It's very much out of favor. There's only three buys on the street on it. So but, you know, just to go back to the to the boom point, this is all about an improving uh, economy. Uh, That's what's driving rates. That's what's driving more inflation. Uh, the inflation break-evens are gradually continuing to rise. And that's because the stimulus is working. That's what everyone has said so far, right? And that's what we've been talking about for months on end. The stimulus is actually doing its job. Manufacturing, the data today was very, very strong. In terms of the market PMI, the ISM's is the highest since 2018. Chicago PMI's up eight months in a row. Industrial production is running up about 9% higher year over year. And then on the consumer side, which is 70% of the economy, personal income up 10% month over month and a savings rate of 20.5% when your historical average is five. And so there's excess savings of $3 trillion that have been created since the the March lows. So so you can can totally understand what the pent up demand story is going to be. And Mm -hmm. some of these stocks are still down a lot, right? Some of these cyclicals are still down a lot. And so you know I have been talking about this for months, and about 70% of my portfolio is cyclically driven. I do not want to abandon some technology, but I also skew a little bit more cyclical within tech, meaning semi-cap equipment versus software.
3: Look, what you're telling me, we're watching IBM rise to the highs of the day, by the way, as we're having this conversation. What you're telling me is, bottom line, rates are rising for the right reasons. Now, I think we can all agree with that, right? Premise of More economic Mm -hmm. activity, higher growth, booming GDP in the second half of the year. I think that's kind of the base case at this point. That doesn't mean I don't need to be positioned accordingly because there are stocks that may not do as well under that environment, even if everything looks great and is rosy all over. And I'm thinking of tech because as rates go up, tech goes down. We're seeing it yet again today, Pete. The 10-year yield goes Mm -hmm. back up towards 150 and technology and the Nasdaq continues to go down. FANG over the last week has not done well. Broadening it out to a month, it's even worse. The question is, do you pull Mm -hmm. a Kathy Wood and do you buy on the dip, right, as she's been doing in some of the highest of high-flying names, the Teslas and the Zooms? She bought more Zoom yesterday on the pullback there. Do you do a Kathy Wood and do you buy the dips or do you back away from technology and play more cyclically as Steph is doing herself?
0: Well, I think it's fine to do the cyclical side like Steph's doing, and I've been doing a lot of that myself, but I think on the technology side, Scott, it's a differentiation of, so what are you really saying? I, I, do I believe in the Kathy Wood side of a Zoom trade? I do not. When I look at these, the companies that have either no PE or PEs that are triple digits, those are the names that I think are going to suffer the most under the circumstances that we are laid out uh, for, for, the, for today's conversation. But I, that does not include the fundamental stories that are still existing out there for Apple, for Microsoft, for a lot of the Fang names, and then the next tier names that are just underneath being. Fang names. I think that there's still plenty of room there because the fundamental story is there. But you don't like. And I think that's the difference for me. You don't me. like
3: any of those stocks? I mean, you don't think there's a fundamental case behind a, a, a Zoom or a Teledoc or a Roku or <laughs> a Spotify yeah. or a DocuSign, right? I mean, there, right. there are fundamental yeah, let, cases behind that. Get-
0: yeah. Oh, sure there are. And have they probably overdone the fundamental side of it by two or three times? Probably so. That's the great I mean, debate. We've talked about this for a long – well, and, and so my, my opinion, and everybody's got their own, and I, I respect those, Kathy Wood and those guys, but let's not forget – they aren't looking out months, Scott, and they're not even looking out a year or two. We just were talking with some of the folks from that, that particular company, and, and they are looking out five years. five years. So if you've got that kind of vision, if you've got that kind of vision, that's completely different than probably all of us that are sitting here right now. And I know Steph's probably the most long term, but... I don't know if Steph's looking five years out because I think the reality is there's a (laughs) lot of bumps in the road five years out, especially, especially when you're talking about names that have already made these gigantic moves to the upside based upon... The pandemic, right? I mean, that's what we're talking about here. So if we get back into this hybrid society, which is what I think we'll do, I don't think everybody's going back to work. I think it's going to be much more hybrid. If I'm right about that, we're still going to be using a lot of these, the docu signs and the Zooms and all the rest of these things that have absolutely flown to the upside. But will they be as profitable or, or potentially have the same kind of growth at all that they've had in the last six, nine, 12 months? My answer would be absolutely
3: not. And you'd place your bets, it sounds like you're saying, on the apples of the world Uh, in that scenario. Katie Huberty, uh, your favorite analyst, is out positive again today. Um, Incrementally so, she Mm -hmm. says, to be fair. She says, uses that word, incrementally more positive, on the March quarter outlook after their round of January and February checks. So Apple is the place to be as Apple is down six and a half over the last week. And it's, you know, over the last month down 7%. And it's down 13% yeah. off of its highs.
0: Right. Which is why I think that's the opportunity. Because is, does Apple have some stumbles in front of them right now? I don't really see what they are, Scott. I think as, the, as things continue to uh, open, and we, we could see that just in the App Store alone. She talked about some of the App Store numbers and how strong those look. We talk about services all the time. We talk about wearables all the time. That's where the margin is. Those are the areas that I think will continue to be growth areas for Apple going forward. And next generation, this, that, and the other. I have the latest, greatest phone. I got to tell you something. I had no interest at all in getting it. Now that I've got it. I've got a camera that's better than any camera I've ever had in my entire life, and it's attached to my phone. So, I mean, there are a lot of reasons, and it's 1200 bucks. but there are a lot of reasons why I think uh, names like Apple and names like Microsoft. Steph mentioned IBM. I own IBM as well, and I like it for a lot of the reasons that Steph's talking about. I actually like... The, the, the new leadership for IBM. Now, it's going to take time, obviously, but the fact that they had, had to make that move and did make that move, which was a challenging move, I think going forward, this is one of those names that has lots of upside because of where they are in terms of what they did with Red
3: Hat and all the rest. All right. So it sounds to me, Jason, like Pete is more of the, yes, of course I like tech, but I'm going to play the quote-unquote safer part of tech. Um, You know, even though Pete likes to, he's a little bit of a rebel, right? He's a swashbuckler, a little bit. He's got the Buccaneer thing over his shoulder still. I know how Pete rolls. (laughs) But there's a view that these are the safer technology stocks. They don't trade at crazy valuations. You may not get the same reward because they don't trade the same way. But a Microsoft, for example, is on your list. It was named the top pick at City today, the price target they keep it at 292, but it is their top large cap pick, MSFT. Yeah.
1: So I, to a large degree, I agree with Pete, you know, but uh, Microsoft and, and some of these fang names, obviously they haven't done much since Labor Day, right? But if I think about Microsoft, for example, and, you know, the Azure and their cloud business, um, you know, and I look at further, you know, uh, post-COVID and this hybrid economy that I think we're all moving towards, you know, I think, I think that the enterprise spend is, is going there. You know, they have a suite of services that I think will be unique for businesses to help them continue to grow and scale. So Microsoft, yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, clearly, as I mentioned earlier, that a lot of these names haven't done much, but it's a legacy name and I think it deserves to still have a position in your portfolio.
3: Let me just show you real quick, uh, Oscar Health. We were talking about it, uh, John Fort was at the end of the prior hour before we started. It's open uh, now. You can see there and uh, it's trading lower by about seven percent, which is interesting in and of itself because we just haven't seen that lately with IPOs. Generally, everything has flown out of the gates and at least at this point, not this one. It's down three bucks. Now it's down eight percent. We'll keep our eyes on that. But that's an anomaly, certainly, of what we've witnessed of late. All right, Joe, let's talk about more positioning, if we could, okay? Because everybody's coming out with a bunch of lists. Wells Fargo among them. And you got a bunch of stocks that are on their list today. You own Home Depot. They're trying to pick out you know, core places you want to be. Home Depot, Nike, Starbucks, Apple, Microsoft. You don't really have to take the text because we already did that. But Nike and Starbucks, what do you think of that? So they're obviously looking at the biggest of big caps because they have other big names in there, whether it's a Walmart or Chevron or Coca-Cola, Lowe's, etc.
2: Okay, so I'll respond to Home Depot, Nike, and Starbucks by saying three company names. Louisiana Pacific, Under Armour, and Darden. Right now, that's what the market wants. Does that mean I'm getting out of Home Depot or Nike or Starbucks? No. The market right now is reflecting confirmation of 7% GDP growth. Scott, the last time you did 7% GDP growth in this country was 1984. So we're getting that high conviction towards that. And in that environment, the names um, which I'm holding, Home Depot, Nike, and Starbucks, those are names that are going to work in a 2020 defensively oriented environment. They're not going to work right now. The three names I suggested, they're going to work better. But I'm not getting out of those names. I'm not getting out of those names because looking forward, the right thing to do is make sure that you're balanced. Make sure you have the diversification story because when the moment comes... When the financials are no longer working, that's going to be the moment where you're going to appreciate that you have the names like an Apple or a Microsoft or a Nike or a Starbucks in your portfolio. So it's just not their moment where they're going to be performing. Steph,
3: other names on this list, TJ and you own them, TJX, VF Corp. So you get some retail. You got Chevron, Coca-Cola, and Health. Broadcom, Microsoft, and Apple. But talk to me about the, the early ones that I mentioned because we haven't talked about those in a while, TJX and VF.
4: Yeah, I mean it's like my whole portfolio is this list, <laughs> so it's kind of funny. Um, well, TJX is a reopen story, right? People like the treasure hunt. They like to go to TJ Maxx. They like to go to Home Goods, Home Sense, um, and I think the company has done a really good job in a very tough environment with massive store closures. So as you reopen, they should see better traffic. Their margins have been really resilient. Their inventories are well under control, and the stock is down five percent this year. So after by the, by the way, after lagging last year, so it's really been a laggard. And I I like it as a, um, you know, again, as a as a reopen. Uh, VF Corp, same thing, because they still have a lot of exposure to stores, right? Um, And especially in California and in the emerging market. So um, they've got great brands. They have a good balance sheet. They actually just made a billion dollar acquisition a couple of weeks ago. So they feel confident in what they're doing. They're buying low and they're actually doubling down on brands. And that's what they're the brands that the people that people want. Great free cash flow, also good inventory management. So these two names are reopened. They're very volatile. They have lagged for a while. It's been frustrating, but I do think they will, the setup for 2021 will be uh, quite good.
3: There are a couple of interesting stocks on this list, Jason, that you own from the Staples category um, Colgate, Palmolive, and PG. And I'm thinking about, so we're going to reopen the economy. What if I already have like 25? tubes of toothpaste and 200 rolls of TP, are they going to do as, as well as they have?
1: So it's a great question. Uh, I don't believe they will. Um, but, you know, I think kind of consumer brands and, you know, the need. And I also, that, those, those plays were uh, dollar plays for us and the weakness in the dollar and kind of their exposure to the Far East. Um, I also look at dividend yield, you know, so decent dividends there on both companies. You know, but as we see rates continue to increase, I think you'll see pressure in these names. So for us right now, they're just holds.
3: The other call um, that I didn't get to earlier when I was talking about Microsoft being a top pick and Apple, Huberty giving more love to Apple, is Roku, Pete. Now, you don't own any calls now. Um, I'm wondering what would get you right. back in. Upgraded to overweight at KeyBank, 518 $518 their new established price target year to date it's been a huge winner three months it's been a big winner one month not so much because as rates have gone up stocks like that have gone down what do you tell people who are in roku and whether you're thinking about it right now yourself
0: (laughs) well that would be my concern scott because that sort of fits into the mold of what i was talking about earlier where you're talking about stocks that that doesn't mean they're not great companies or that they don't do a great service for society, but it does have something to do with what all of us look at each and every day when we're looking across you know, all these various names is, okay, so where are they trading on evaluation? Does that make sense? And, and, and I think there are names out there that probably are in front of themselves, even though they're doing a great job, even though they're delivering and they're doing all the things you want to see, the revenue growth and all the rest of that. But when you look at some of these PEs for a lot of these various names, you just kind of cringe. So um, I I think there are names out there, Scott, that that you have a better opportunity with for more gains, especially now based upon what we are seeing in the markets, what we are hearing about with the vaccine and the rollout, the opening up and everything else. I think all of that sort of gives us more of an idea of where the names are that we probably need to move towards. And especially when you're talking about these high P.E. names, I think it makes it that much more difficult for them. It was great before. It was great six months ago. It was great even three months ago, but I think we have changed that much in the last three months in terms of vaccine and opening up and all the rest of that and and the potential for all of that, that I think that does change things a lot for a lot of these higher or no P.E. names. Yeah.
3: Who's got PayPal on on the panel today? Anybody? Anybody have PayPal? Jason has it? I do it. I have it. Tell me about that, because I'm trying to make this as interactive as we possibly can. Somebody just tweeted me I'd like to hear about PayPal going forward. Why don't you take that? Then, we'll, then, we'll, then yep. we'll bounce for a break.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I really like the fintech industry. I've, always, I've said for a couple months now the financial services industry has kind of been ripe for disruption. I think PayPal um, is fits right into that lane. You know, obviously they've got a kind of a jump with the uh, creating their platform for folks to transact in the Bitcoin space. It's pulled back some. You know, as all the points that we've made. Uh, throughout this throughout this show and kind of the high flyers and high multiple stocks but I do think PayPal and the squares of the world deserve a space uh, in your portfolio
3: yeah all right good stuff we will take that break now coming up Alcoa shares they're jumping on a bullish call from Goldman Sachs today we've got that trade next plus a big interview on the closing bell three eastern today Ariel Capital's John Rogers he weighs in on the markets where he is seeing opportunities right after that I'll have an extended interview with Mr. Rogers on cnbc pro it is exclusively for our cnbc pro subscribers get a little bit more we get in, in a little bit more time some things that may you may not he may not mention on tv some extra stock picks et cetera. that's why you want to be a pro member you can subscribe to access that cnbc.com forward slash pro we're back two
2: minutes
3: All right, we're back. Calls of the day now. Rahel Solomon here with four stocks on the move this hour. Hi, Rahel.
6: Hi, Scott. Yeah, so let's start now with some big news out of Vegas. Las Vegas Sands is selling its Vegas properties for $6.25 billion to Apollo Global and Beachy Properties. So LV's properties in Macau and Singapore together represent about 83% of total revenue in 2020. So Scott, those are really their moneymakers. They're going to concentrate their focus there. Stock, by the way, hitting a fresh 52-week high. As you can see, it's up about 1.5%. Virgin Galactic getting a street-high price target of 50 bucks at B of A. firm sees the company's contract with the Italian Air Force as a positive. Also likes the early stages of the commercial space industry as an entry point. That stock, however, down about 45% from its highs in early February. JP Morgan is downgrading Prudential to neutral from overweight. So the target is 91 bucks a share. It reflects the firm's concerns about a mixed business outlook and also Prudential's M&A strategy. It does, however, Scott, believe that the company's above-average dividend is more than safe. That stock is up about 1.25%. And take a look at shares of Alcoa. Goldman upgrading Alcoa to buy from sell. Those shares are on a tear, up more than 10%. Target goes to $32 a share from 19. Scott, analysts see the higher aluminum prices, leading to improved free cash flow. This is also a stock that the analyst community really likes. No sell ratings here. And the stock hitting a fresh 52-week high as, again, it is up almost 11%, Scott.
3: All right, Rahel, thank you. All right, Pete, let's let's talk to you because, I mean, you're all over this. Uh, Alcoa calls, you have those. Mm -hmm.
0: I do, Scott. I had two sets of different calls there, but I sold one out and I still continue to own the other. And as a matter of fact, we had... Some monstrous buying in there today, as well as far as unusual. Um, but I'll tell you what, it, it, it all makes sense. The free cash flow, we all know what's been going on behind the scenes in terms of all these different areas, the price of, of all these different commodities that have been moving to the upside. And so, obviously, I think that moves very, very well for an Alcoa. I think there's plenty more upside. I have exposure across the board. I like the material space enough that I have about eight or 10 different positions. In the material space. So it's not just Alcoa for the aluminum prices, but I've got across the board, I've got iron ore covered, I've got copper covered, I've got some gold and silver covered, and a lot, and graphite covered. So there's a lot of different areas of material space that I think still has room to go to the upside, including Alcoa.
3: Yeah, you like the metals, right? I can just tell by the 27 rings that you and your brother wear on any given day. You definitely (laughs) like the metals. Uh, All right. (laughs) Yes. Stephanie Link, Prudential, okay? Downgraded, Rahel told us to neutral at J.P. Morgan, you think it's a bad call?
4: I do think it's a bad call. I mean, the stock's up 14% on the year. It's had a nice run, but financials in general have done really, really well this year. Um I, I do like this company though. It is eight times earnings. You have a five percent dividend yield. It's the number one company in the space, and they're gonna benefit from a steeper yield curve and higher rates. I don't know why you would get off of this thing. It's just starting. By the way, they have $10 billion that they're going to be using for buybacks and dividends, and three to five billion dollars they're going to focus on kind of growth initiatives like EM and asset management and that kind of thing. So I don't know why you get off this thing. I was hoping it would be weak today so I could buy more, but this is definitely on my list to buy.
3: Pete, talk to me about in LBS. To what I own. Uh, I'm sorry, Steph. Uh, <laughs> forgive me. Um, That's okay. Pete, talk to me about LBS. <laughs> um, there's that news, right, that Rahel told us about. Is this a yeah. play to go just all in on Macau? Uh,
0: Macau, Singapore, they've got exposure over in the Asian market, Scott. And as Rahel uh, very smartly uh, reported, that is where their revenue comes from, when you really break it down. I, I always thought it was somewhere closer to 60 or 70%, but I believe she said 80% now. So given that, I think this is a great sale for them, and I think they can now focus exclusively on that specific area of the world, and, and they've done an amazing job. Stock hit 52-week highs, uh, and I think there's still room to the upside,
3: oh, and especially
0: okay. as those markets get more opening as well.
3: Wait, so I was going to ask you also, then, if, if you know, the stock's at a 52-week high today, if you would sell the calls, um, no. Yeah, you're staying with it, though, obviously.
0: I am staying with it. Yeah, yeah, I think there's more upside, and I think as the reopen happens more and more over in other markets and other parts of the world, I think this is going to be great for Las Vegas Sands.
3: All right, all right, good stuff. Coming up, we got Pete's unusual activity. Yep. We'll do that next, and as we go to break, take a look at the S and P sectors today. I'll take you to the wall, show you where we're at. S and P's down. By about 17, energy is the best, technology is the worst. That's, you know, one of the patterns you get with higher rates. We're back after this.
4: What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones... Our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC.
6: Welcome back to the Halftime Report. I'm Rahel Solomon, and here is your CNBC News update at this hour. Texas power regulators are showing support for cutting $2 billion of service fees charged to retail electricity providers during last month's blackouts. The Texas Public Utility Commission will vote on the fee cuts this Friday. Federal officials say that more than 200,000 people have signed up for health insurance. That's in the first two weeks after President Biden reopened the healthcare.gov insurance market. Applications will be accepted through May 15th. Overseas in Myanmar, security forces are dramatically escalating their crackdown on protests against the the country's military coup. The Associated Press reports at least 33 demonstrators have been killed today. And back here at home, a highly sought after Tom Brady rookie card is up for auction and the top bid is already over $580,000. Only 100 of the cards were made. The auction ends April 2nd. Tom Brady still has it, and apparently the market for his uh, memorabilia is still very hot.
3: Trading cards are just uh, outrageous right now. Uh, That market is on fire. Rahel, thank you. All right, unusual, Pete. Unusual. What do you have for us?
0: I got you. The first one's going to be Infosys. Now, this is a name that we don't talk about very often. It's an India-based company in the uh, uh, IT services area. Now, they've got a great balance sheet. They've got great cash flow. They've got everything you'd want. The stock is actually, the market cap's nearly doubled over the last year. Well, today, stock's trading near highs. It's trading 1840. They went out, and there was some very large buying in here, Scott. We got 12,000 of the March 19 calls. They're very inexpensive. They're 30 cents up to about 45 cents for these options. I think it's a really interesting play because a it 's a name that we don 't see very frequently, and, and b, the size of the trade really does stand out and it 's got a couple of weeks to uh, to play out for us so we 'll see I really like this name and i 'll be in there for the next couple of weeks secondly i 've got another one. we just talked about the material space. How about tech resources this isn 't a name that we talk about a lot, but the stock was trading about twenty one and a quarter, and we had a buyer of four thousand a little bit more than four thousand of the april twenty four calls in here, Scott, and they were going for fifty eight cents up to seventy cents so it's interesting if you go back and look at this stock a year ago, trading six and a half bucks, got all the way up to twenty-four, it's pulled back a little bit, somebody thinks it's gonna bounce back up and maybe test those highs once again. I got one last one for you. Usually we just do two, but I've got UWM holdings, that's UWMC. Now this was from yesterday. But this is part of that whole world of the mortgage space. We had Rocket as well yesterday. This name as well. They had a, we had a buyer in there of over 5,000 of the March 9 calls. They were going for 30 cents, up to 60 cents. The stock absolutely took off yesterday. It's pulled back a little bit today from where it looked like it was indicated to be open, and it's pulled back. But the stock was trading around 8 bucks when those calls were bought. Those are the March 9 calls. I actually own those calls. A little trimming involved as well, but I, I'm just wondering. I think because of the size of the float, there still might be some squeeze potential here like we've seen in so many other names.
3: Yeah, we're seeing it move as you're speaking about it. Pete, thanks. Up next is Ask Halftime, and you can send your questions to us by video. We'll play them on the air. Email us. Ask Halftime at CNBC.com. And tomorrow, March 4th, Brian Sullivan leads the CNBC Evolve live stream. That's at 3 o'clock Eastern time. Our guests, including... Occidental's CEO, John Kerry, the U.S. Special Envoy, Presidential Envoy for Climate. You can register now at CNBCEvents.com Evolve Live. We're back after this. All right, gang, let's do it. Time to answer your questions. Stephanie Link, you're first. Dave in Liverpool, the U.K., Writing to you, likes Accenture at 32 times earnings. What do you think of DXC technology, which I'm thinking of buying at 25 bucks?
4: I like DXC. Um, I actually made it my final trade about a month ago. They've done a really good job in a very challenging environment. So very tough top line, but I think the book to bill north of one Uh, over the last couple of quarters, uh, sets them up well for 2021. And they have done a really good job in terms of cost controls. So it's one I like. And look, I like Accenture. I don't own Accenture because it is at 32 times. If I'm going to play in that space, which I am, I'm doing it through IBM. But DXC would be my number two choice.
3: Okay, Joe, to you from uh, we're staying overseas. Martin in 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 Ireland, excuse me, has a video question for you
0: hi my name is martin gillen and i live on the west coast of ireland and i invested in uber shares a number of months ago given the recent uk decision on driver contracts and the fall in the share price do you think they're a good buy at this level thank you
3: all right joe legit question what's the answer
2: well martin thank you for that question i do own uber shares and yes even despite the ruling in the uk I think it is a buy moving forward. I think it'll exceed the $64 high. If you think about the way that Uber is exiting from the pandemic, they're exiting with a more diversified platform. It's not just about ride sharing. It's about meal delivery. They've strengthened the balance sheet, which is so incredibly important. But ultimately, this is a mobility play and a return to mobility. So Prop 22, I think, was more relevant back in November. That went their way. I wouldn't uh, use the ruling in the U.K., to act as a headwind for you investing further. I'd actually buy more. Okay. Pete, to you from Mark in
3: Seattle, what about Bristol-Myers? Bristol-Myers and Pfizer down lately. Which one looks the most attractive to you right now?
0: Well, um, you know what? It depends on what your risk tolerance is, Scott. I would say Bristol-Myers, if you have a little bit more risk tolerance, I think that has more of a, a feel of a biotech company because of what they've done over the years to to change the company itself versus a Pfizer that's kind of slow and steady and pulls back and, and, and has some runs here and there. But generally, it's just going to be a relatively flat line. I use these oftentimes, Scott, as buy-right type stocks. In other words, I'm buying the stock selling calls against it, and collecting the premium that I get from the dividend, you can enhance that dividend yield because they do stay in a very tight range. you got a little bit more volatility, I think, with Bristol-Myers. So if you've got that, to- that kind of uh, tolerance, I think that's the better performer.
3: All right. Lastly, Jason, to you, Alan in California, Palo Alto, buy, sell, hold. What do you think?
1: Yeah, so I, I like Palo. Um, I think about you know the cybersecurity theme is going to remain to be a very important theme here now, and even post pandemic, you know, 24 and a half percent revenue growth in the last quarter, some decent guidance, you know, and and they work with all the major players. So I think this is a this is a decent buy here as I as I think that the the environment is still it's still a very important uh, place.
3: Okay. Coming up, we have more trades ahead as we go to break. Take a look at some of the stocks hitting new highs today, including Eaton, Goldman Sachs, American Express. There you go. There's the list. Nice gains across the board. And a reminder, you can always watch or listen to us live on the go on the CNBC app. We're back right after this.
0: Got a question for the Halftime Investment Committee? If you want to send us a video, we could play it on air. Email us, askhalftime at cnbc.com.
3: Futures outlook time silver under pressure today off the lows of the session though for more on that move let's bring in Brian Stutland of equity armor investments what's your trades going to be.
7: Yeah I mean it really has made a bounce off the lows, Scott so I, I'm a little cautious whether to get short here but certainly there's some downward pressure on silver it is hanging in there nicely. Twenty six twenty five area is kind of this support so until we see a close down below there I'm not necessarily a seller just yet. But when you look at the interest rate environment interest rates ticking higher And also this big move of playing inflation using cryptocurrencies, which I've done myself. I bought Bitcoin. And also using it as sort of a fear trade. People are moving towards VIX futures. I bought VIX futures instead. So there's this diversification away from gold and silver, which is the downward pressure. But if we see silver close around this 26 level, I would be a seller of the May contract at 26.02, looking for it to trade lower, putting a stop back up near these levels of 26.32. So trade down to 25.62. When you look at some of the charts, that's a downside target I think happens if in case we get a close a little bit lower from here so watch these levels look to put a short on it if we get down there that's what I'd be looking to do
3: all right good stuff we'll talk to you soon Brian thank you very much snowflakes earnings snowflake earnings they are after the bell tonight what do they mean for the enterprise software space plus final trades coming up we're back in just two minutes Right, take a look at shares of Oscar Health. Open for trade not that long ago, and that's a sight you don't see every day. Leslie Picker joining us now. Been making some calls down 9%. What yeah. – uh- What are you hearing?
8: Yeah, you're right. You don't see this every day. It's pretty rare. Uh, You know, minority of IPOs do trade lower on their first day of trading. But it's especially rare when you have a deal like this one that had priced above a boosted range and increased the number of shares it planned to offer uh, to investors that it sold to investors, known as an upsized deal. You can see they're down 9% right now. Uh, What happens? It's a little bit tricky to tell at this point in time. For one, it's not the best market backdrop for pricing an IPO, especially a growth IPO like this one that you've seen. Uh, This is clearly an indication that the banks have gotten a little too aggressive here in terms of pricing and and assessing the demand uh, from the buy side for this deal. Uh, But you also, it's it's difficult because they're kind of coming out at a period in a period After this black box of IPOs, if you recall, we haven't really seen much in the way of operating company IPOs in the last few weeks. That's because companies that are going public don't usually like to go, uh, you know, mid-end of February because they've got their financials that are a bit stale. They'd rather go when those financials are newer. Uh, So we haven't really seen operating companies go public, which can also make pricing and and demand a little bit trickier if you're the first one out of the gate, Scott. They
3: should have just done a SPAC deal, right? IPOs Uh are so 2019 at this point. (laughs)
8: The solution for all, right? Apparently
3: so. Leslie, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. All right, Leslie Picker. The other item we need to talk about is Snowflake. Uh, Reports earnings after the bell. Joe, I'm wondering how much is riding on this for the enterprise software space. You're talking about things with, you know, the price to sales and and valuations uh, monstrous.
2: Yeah. What's interesting about it, though, is this could actually uh, be the earnings report that kind of reignites some of the positive momentum that has left the enterprise software space. So, uh, the expectations in terms of what they're going to achieve here in revenue growth, it's going to be triple digits. We know that, Scott. They're actually going to give you the vision into 2022. Uh, the expectations are high on the earnings front, but they've already endured the pullback. It was above $400. Now it's trading around $265. So, I think this does. Potentially reignite the momentum. If it does, I would look towards Twilio. I would look towards CrowdStrike. And I would also look towards uh, cloud security. And the best name there would be Fortinet.
3: Yeah. Pete, how are you looking at this one? Right. You talked at the beginning of the program. We'll bring it full circle here. Right. These stocks that traded m- yeah. massive valuations. You know, it's not like you haven't played in any Ford. cloud software stocks ever.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, you know what, Scott, these are the great opportunities, I think, if you're w- willing to take the risks of being in the option side. If you're willing to take the risk of the stock side, you better be prepared for an unbelievably potentially bumpy ride that could be very, very painful. Because, as Joe just pointed out, take a look at where this stock was to where it is right now, well into the 400s. When I look across and I look at CrowdStrike and I look at Datadog and a, a lot of the kinds of names that really built up huge names in 2020, <coughs> You look at them, Scott, they still don't make money. We don't know when they're going to make money, and or, or if they do, their multiples are three and four digits. So there's a lot of different factors going in here. I don't understand why. We used to think Salesforce was a very expensive company because it trades at a 60 PE forward. So uh, that, that's, that looks really inexpensive right now based upon what we're seeing from some of the rest of these. So I think that, that you better know what your risk tolerance is if you want to be involved in some of these yeah. names
3: like Snowflake. That's an understatement. All right, Pete, thanks. We'll come back. We'll do final yeah. trades next. Yet another reminder, do not miss Ariel Investments' John Rogers on the closing bell today, 3 Eastern. And right after that, I'll have an extended interview with him on CNBC Pro. It is exclusively for our CNBC Pro subscribers. We'll also take your questions at cnbc.com slash pro. Hope you'll join me then. All right, final trade, Stephanie Link, what is yours?
4: Uh, Emerson Electric. It's a fairly new position for me. It's a hidden energy play with new management, $5 in earnings power and $15 billion in cash. So lots to do there, and especially on M&A.
3: OK, thank you for that. Uh, stock's up 1.5% there. Jason Snipe.
1: DraftKings, Scott. Uh, like the deal with DISH. I, I think that we're in the nascent stages of online gambling. Stay long here.
3: Yeah, feels that way. All right, Joe T, the ETF, Joe T.
2: I'm going to stay with State Street, a financial, Scott. I expect it to return to its 2018 highs above 105. Do you see
3: that Joe T. commercial run on CNBC, Joe? Did you notice that the other day?
2: I don't know what you're, talk- I don't know what you're talking about.
3: Yeah, that was, a, that was a big day. I was proud of you. All right, uh, Pete. Thank you, Scott.
2: I'll
0: tell you what, Scott, it's amazing how many people were all over the fact that energy was never going to move again, right? And now suddenly take a look at what's happening with energy. And I say suddenly, if you go back to November, XOM continues to work, Chevron continues to work, they're going higher.
3: All right, good stuff. Thanks all. The exchange is now. Thanks. You've been listening to CNBC's halftime report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC.
5: You seek the key.